0: How's it going guys? Tyler Silver with the Silver Performance Podcast. And today is episode number lucky 16. Um, As always, when I do the solo podcast, I'm just gonna go through questions that I got through social media and through the podcast email. And I'm gonna do my best to answer them to the best of my ability based on my experience personally and then based on my experience working with clients. So um, we'll just get right into the questions. Um, What have you learned since starting your business nine months ago? That's a great question. I've learned a lot. I've learned, um, you know, a lot about business and marketing. I've learned a lot about, you know, customer service and, um, you know, being able to manage people. I've learned a lot about, um, for me, you know, my business is through, um, it is conducted through my website, but through an app as well. Um, so I've learned a lot, of, a lot about technology and web design and things like that. Um, I would say one of the things that I learned the most, though, out of, you know, not just talking about the technicality, you know, of of things like the the technical processes, uh, processes, Um, you know, I learned that it's really hard (laughs) to start a business, it's really, it's really, um, it's really challenging all the different demands that come at you as far as things you need to know, um, the amount of people you have to manage, uh, you know, the, the marketing involved and the business stuff. Um, that's not stuff that you're ever prepared for when you go to school and you're an exercise science student or a psychology student. And um, so I've learned a lot about business um, and, and a lot of the things that they don't teach you in school. Um, when you go to school, you know, for example, for me, you know, I went to school for exercise science and psychology you know, there wasn't a part of our curriculum that walked you through what you do. If you're not working for a collegiate strength conditioning staff, you're not working, um, for an already established gym, you know, how do you market yourself? How do you, um, how do you build a brand? How do you build a business? And that's a challenge. And, you know, if you're, if you're new to the game, it doesn't really matter how long you've been training people. It's a tough thing to manage. It's a tough thing to set up. Um, and, you know, because, you know, really when you start, you don't even know entirely what your vision and what your culture and what your, um, I guess kind of your vision for, for your businesses, um, you start out, you know, like for me, I was like, oh, I know I want to train people online. I know I want to have more freedom with my time. I know that the world is crazy. And, you know, due to COVID things, shutting things down and people just getting out of the gym and not feeling comfortable going back in, I know that online training is going to be a really great viable option for me to, from a business standpoint, and then a a real way I can help people. So um, I knew I wanted to do that, but I didn't know what it looked like at the beginning. So I think another thing that I learned about starting a business is it's okay to let your vision transform. And and to allow your experience as you develop your business, like allow allow yourself to be guided by what you see. You know, you can have a vision starting out that, you know, I want training to look like this. These are my ideal clients. Uh, you know, this is what they do. This is their intake um, criteria, but that might change. And I think the reason why I've been able to be successful at this and continue to build my business is because I had a vision set up for myself of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to accomplish, but I let you know I didn't I didn't make that take a, a certain form, you know like I didn't I didn't care how it looked as long as I really paid attention to what my clients needed paid attention to what I needed as a coach and as a business owner and I just kind of formed my um, my practices gradually off of that um, so I've learned that. I've also learned that, you know, it's, it's tough managing a business when you start out because you're, you know, you're working with a lot of your friends and family. So that's a tough thing. You know, those, those are some of the, t- and I love my friends and family, but those are some of the toughest people to work with just because you have to make sure that you're really, um, you're really mindful about not crossing the line on your relationship with them while you're coaching them, because you have a personal relationship with them as a friend or a family member. And then there's a relationship that you can kind of have more so with a stranger, I guess, um, when you're coaching them, where you can be a little bit more objective. You you don't have to be, you have to still be sensitive to their, you know, goals, needs and personal preferences, but not to the same way you would with friends and family members. Um, So that's a challenging thing. And I would say that to anyone that's starting their own business or especially training, um, you know, be prepared to work with friends and family for the first part of the road. I know I'm now at the point now where I'm getting referrals and I'm getting people that reach out to me to train, which is awesome. Um, and those people, you know, are, are great too, but, you know, prepare yourself, make sure that when you're working with your friends and family that you really respect, um, you know, your relationships with them so that you don't cross lines. I think that's a really important thing because you want to look out for your friends and family. You want to help them. Um, but you want to make sure that you're also being a good friend, being a good family member to them. Okay. I'm going to be cra- I'm going to be traveling across the country in a van this summer, but I want to maintain my fitness. Any recommendations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I actually have uh, two of my clients I work with, Mary and Seth, uh, who live right down the road from me. <laughs> You know, when they retired, it was their goal that they wanted to buy an RV and they wanted to travel around, um, you know, the Western United States. You know, we're here in Arizona, obviously, but they wanted to be able to go and see some of the, you know, the mountain ranges and some of the different terrestrial biomes, so to speak. Um, You know, and look at that from freshman biology, remembering that. but they, they wanted to be able to travel and in working with them, you know, they had a lot of things that they had to, they had to hash out in retirement. Um, You know, they had to, you know, I I guess I don't want to get into the details of it, but they had some things they needed to hash out and now they're getting prepared to take a little RV trip. And I'm so excited for them. I'm so excited because they've just spent the, the last eight months working with me in person. And this is the reason why I like having a hybrid model for working with clients too, is they don't have to stop working with me just because they're leaving, right? Um, because I have the app. So I can still make programs for them. They can still watch me demonstrate movements. Um, they're still gonna have structure when they leave. But this is what I would say is, you know what I'm doing with them is I'm going over to their RV. They actually cut it uh, yesterday or the day before. I'm gonna go over to their house and we're going to scope this, you know, we're going to scope this trailer out and we're going to plan around it. So, you know, they've spent the last, you know, eight months or so building up their fitness and they're a lot like you. They want to travel and they want to see things and, and experience life, um, but they also want to maintain their fitness. So I'm going to go through their RV and look at the space they have, um, look where we could hang pulleys or suspension trainers, look at where we could store Cattle uh, bells or adjustable dumbbells. Look at where we could maybe stick like an easy curl bar and some weights. Um, but that's what I would do if you're if you're planning on traveling. That's absolutely fine. Um, you're actually going to get it, probably if you're an outdoorsy type of person, you're going to get a ton of activity just hiking around and being out in nature. That's great. Um, but you know, you're still going to want to strength train. You know, two or three days a week as well. And I think for that, the simple solution is. A lot of my clients that train at home is, um, you know, I have them get, you know, one of three different types of equipment just to get them started. So one of them is going to be, you know, getting a set of adjustable dumbbells. I just had another one of my clients buy this yesterday um, because he does not like training at the gym. He works long hours. He's in a, um, he's an apprenticeship right now and he he works all day um, as as a plumber And he works all day and he he gets out of of work and he's like, fuck this, I wanna train at home, Um, which a lot of people do. And so for him, I had him purchase a pair of adjustable dumbbells. So that would be one option. Um, If you're traveling in your car, you can throw a pair of adjustable dumbbells in your trunk and they're probably not any bigger. They don't take up any more space than this laptop right here. So really space convenient, that's one option. I would say that would be the best option for bang for your buck in space because power blocks you can go from zero to 50 and then if you're even stronger you can go from 50 to 70 on the expansion kit and then if you're even stronger than that you can go from 70 to 90 and then if you're past that you really got to go out and get some heavy ones there's the pros I believe that go up to the 120s or 150s Um, but there's really something for you know everybody Um, you know two two pairs of dumbbells that go up to 50 70 90 or 120 pounds 150 pounds that's plenty what you need to train um, while you're traveling on the road um, so that's one option another option could be picking up a few pairs of um, you know or not not pairs because if you're traveling I would say get a few kettlebells you know maybe one light one one medium one and one heavy one um, for the road you know so when you're doing things like your you know, have your lower body stuff. You can use your heavy bell. When you're using some of your medium stuff, you can do some of your horizontal pressing stuff, rolling. And then when you're doing some of your lighter stuff, you can do more of your overhead stuff depending on how strong you are. So that's something you could do as well. The last one I would say is, you know, get yourself a suspension trainer that you can hang off. If, if, <laughs> if you know that your vehicle and your trailer is, uh, is stable or your van is stable, uh, you could also get a suspension trainer. You could put it in your door and shut it and lock the door and do rows and do push-ups and do you know all your TRX stuff. You can stick your feet in it, do rear foot elevated split squats. But there's a lot of options for that. Um recently I just bought an easy curl bar. You know, that's another one that I think is a really good option for people that travel too. Get, you know, go buy a 70, $70, $70 to $90 easy curl bar. You know go on craigslist buy some some old beat up weights that you can load it up with and some clips you know throw your throw your weight somewhere in the van throw the bar somewhere in the van you know that would fit pretty well um, for your traveling space as well too so that's another option um but good luck man i uh i've actually been i've been thinking about doing that because you know what i do for work is i work mostly remote and i was like hey man you know what if i bought a van and I just traveled around and I set up in different states and did a podcast and set up in different states and you know drove to, you know, I know a lot of people within, you know, I guess within the fitness community, it'd be cool to just drive places and meet with them and do podcasts. And but you'll have to let me know how that goes. That's that's incredibly exciting. Um, and I love that you're you're looking at maintaining your fitness. You didn't just build your fitness up to go on this trip. You're actually looking at maintaining it through the trip, right? So if you don't use it, you lose it. You know, it's very true. And um, that's really, really smart of you to be thinking ahead of how you're gonna plan that out. So good luck and let me know how it goes. Okay. Um, what's your, uh, that's a great question. What's your stance on the DK Metcalf diet? You know, I've actually met DK Metcalf before. Um, while I was working at Mayo Clinic. uh, Really nice guy. Um, But I think, you know, I think he, when you're someone that's genetically gifted like him, and uh, I I would say this, doing nutrition coaching with athletes especially, you know, even just the general population, people are absolutely terrible at, uh, at, you know, doing a recap on what they ate at the end of the day, their memory for what they ate is, is usually terrible. They'll be, you know, I'll have clients that will come in that will be obese and they'll, and they'll just be like, Hey, you know, all I eat every day is this and this. And it's like, well, no, you no, you don't You know your memory is, is, is off because something's not lining up here for people that don't know. There was this big thing on social media a couple of weeks ago about DK um (laughs) they asked him what his diet was because he's an absolute animal he's completely shredded very strong very fast um and and he's got the body composition of a physique competitor beautiful you know genes this man has and he works hard too you know let's never take that away from people great genes um i believe his dad played in the nfl too um but but guy works hard as well but he said that he ate, all he had for the day was, you know, a coffee and four bags of candy in the day. And it might've been something else, but you know, I, I look at the size of someone like that. And that's, that may be what he ate that day before he came in to do the podcast. Um, but that's absolutely not what he eats on a regular basis. And I know where he trained for the NFL draft, which was Exos. And I know, uh, <laughs> you know, the coaches there, uh, that was not what they were feeding him to get him prepared for the combine. That's absolute nonsense. Um, but you know, the, you may you may have days when you're an elite athlete like that, and you have the genetics the, that he does. Sometimes you can get away with eating coffee or drinking, uh, you know, a coffee and having four bags of candy. You, you really can. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't encourage the everyday gym goer to go out and try that diet. Um, That's not very, very sustainable, but good question. Um, Let's look at this here. Next one. I want to start Olympic lifting, but I don't know where to start. Any tips? Yes, I do. Um, You know, the first question would be is you need to ask yourself if you're doing Olympic lifting to just gain explosive power to support your everyday life and recreational activities you like, or you're trying to compete in Olympic lifting. Um, if you go with the, the competing part, there's going to be rules and regulations. Um, you're going to have to lift the bar from the floor. You're going to have to um, compete in certain weight classes. You're going to have to you know, get your shoes and, and all that stuff. On the other side of things is where I think most people probably hang out that are everyday people. Um, I think that you know, if you're just doing it to get a little bit more explosive and you just want to improve your everyday living and support your recreational activities, I would hang out more on this side because, you know, the people are really good at Olympic lifting. They're built to do it. Um, generally, they're shorter. Generally, their, their lever lengths, you know, their, their, um, you know, the length of their arms and their legs and their torso is very, very, um specific to helping them be good at olympic lifting you know if you're someone that's really tall olympic lifting is going to be kind of tough on you depending on your proportions not saying that taller people don't compete but proportionally how they're built um allows them to compete at that level um but i would say you know if you're if you're someone that i work with which is generally just someone that wants to use olympic lifts um to get a little bit more explosive Start with hang positions, you know, start with, you know, just working snatch grip, um, doing RDLs, work on snatch grip on, you know, sitting back on your heels, you know, uh, keeping the chin up. I, I, would, I would basically suggest you to go over and watch some of my videos on Olympic lifting um, from a hang position on YouTube. Um, Dan John also has some really awesome ones on his site but these are built for the average person, right? These are not for people that are gonna be competing in Olympic lifting. Um, I do a lot of my snatches out of a hang position and really the way I coach it is as simple as this is, you know, you got your bar and your snatch grip, generally you're gonna be using a hook grip when you're doing snatches. Um, You know, I would say if I'm working with someone for the first time, I'm using a lot of dowels, weighted dowels. I'm not having them use a belt when we first start and I'm having them go really light. And then I'm also not having them use wrist wraps um, when they first start because I want people to adjust their grip. I want their calluses to get kind of, I guess, grooved in and I want to make sure that they're thinking about bracing when they're doing the lifts initially and getting the form down. Um, And I feel like once you start using wraps and once you start using a belt, they're great once you get heavier, once you have more experience, but when you start, I think it's, they kind of overcompensate for learning the movement in some positions. And that's just my opinion and my experience. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, if you're gonna start with Olympic lifts, oddly enough, snatches are easier to teach adults than cleans, and Dan agrees with me on this as well, um, because you just don't have the same type of wrist mobility involved. Um, You know, I even know for me, I I hadn't done, you know, cleans in a while. And I started, you know, doing them again, just in a a complex that I have that I was filming for a client. I was like, God damn, you know, my my, uh, wrist mobility has really gone to shit um, since I, you know, stopped doing that, right? Because you do a lot of mobility stuff just to be good at Olympic lifts or sorry, to just be good at explosive lifts like cleans. So I would say, you know, if you're going to get into explosive lifts, uh, start with a snatch, start with a dowel, start with weighted dowels, start with a bar, start without wrist wraps and straps. You know, get your calluses and your grip up, uh, get your breathing technique and your and your bracing strategies right. Focus on as you hip hinge to get over your heels to keep your chin up, and then when you get into the explosive part, think about jumping. Okay, don't make it any more um, complicated than that. You can always learn more strategies as you go. You can always buy, uh, you know, uh, maybe like Greg Everett, Uh, you could could buy more complex coaching on Olympic lifting, but I would say if you're new to this, just start with that, go from there, okay? All right, it's kind of a lengthy answer, but it really just depends on who's in front of you. You know, because if you're a shorter guy, you could realistically clean from the floor, but that's not most people. Um, most people just aren't built to Olympic lift. Um, okay. So say you have a new client who works a sedentary job, doesn't do cardio, doesn't lift weights, attract their nutrition. Sounds like a lot of people. Sounds like a lot of people, uh, especially when they, they first start training. But where do you start with them on designing a plan? That's a great question. You know, I would tell you that with this person that you described, you can start anywhere. Um, but I would tell you if there's someone that's intimidated by the weight room um, that really doesn't have a lot of experience in sport, um, I would probably start with the lowest hanging fruit that's going to make the largest difference, which is I would start with, you know, their cardio respiratory work, which is, you know, just getting some basic walks in. I would work on, you know, if they're if they're a sedentary individual, I work on getting them some mobility work in throughout the day. Um, so, you know, something that you could do with with this person is go, hey, let's start with a 10 minute walk per day. Let's track it. Let's see how many days you get in a in a five day span across a week. And then we'll try to improve that week to week. And eventually we'll bump up, you know, the the amount of time they walk, the speed we can eventually have them doing a rock, things like that. I would start there because that's the easiest, lowest hanging fruit, get them doing walks. Um, The next one you could work on would be nutrition. Um, I believe in just getting people, you know, wins in any form when they first start. So, you know, get them doing the walks. Um, But then immediately after, let's start looking at their nutrition and that could be doing something as simple as um, a nutrition journal a photo of food journal. When I work with people, before I change anything, um, I have them do a photo of food journal because then I can get an insight to what they're eating on a regular basis. A lot of the times people will make um, their, their clients meal plans and things like that. And they'll do it even before they've asked the client their food preferences um, or what they're currently eating. So I don't really, uh, I've never understood that. Cause that's not how you do uh, behavior change and that's not how you make good incremental change to people's lives. You know, Hey, what, what you're doing right now, let's do the most stressful thing that we can do that will make you stop doing it, which is totally throw out everything you're doing and start new. That's a bad idea. Um, so I would say, you know, do the walks and then I would say photo food journal for about three days, maybe a week, have them take a picture of what they eat. Um, don't have them track their calories or anything like that. You can go through and do that on your own. If you're a coach, if you need to, as a teaching tool, um, have them get pictures of their food and then, um, start making changes. If you notice that they don't have a lot of colorful fruits and vegetables on their plate, make that their first habit. Let's add, you know, maybe you start with their breakfast and go, you know, let's add a banana to your breakfast. Let's add, um, you know, say they're eating sandwiches for lunch. Hey, maybe let's add some spinach and tomato and onion to the sandwich to get your vegetable intake up. Hey, I see you're eating, you know, I see you're drinking orange juice for breakfast. Maybe let's, let's do an orange or, you know, whatever you have to do to fill the gaps or, um, you know, fill the gaps or basically move them along the continuum. Look at processed food options, you know, start with that and coach them along the continuum. This would be like, you know, from peanut butter to peanuts, whole peanuts, from apple juice to apples to, and it doesn't mean they can't eat those other foods, but that's a good place to start, okay? Um, and then I would say once they're, they've got those wins, right, they, they, they're active most days of the week, they get walks or whatever they do, ride their bike. Um, you got them eating plates that make sense for their goals, needs, and personal preferences. You slowly make those habit changes week to week. You make those tweaks. Um, and then I think you move to the weights. You know, there's some people that you can start further along that have lifted weights in the past. That might be where you start with them. But I'm saying if someone comes in and they haven't done any of that stuff, focus on, and they're, they're living a very sedentary life, focus on mobility, focus on walks, focus on their nutrition, and then start to build that. Uh, the weight training routine in and start very slowly, uh, to build a good strength training routine, you need push, pull, squat, hinge, low to carry. Um, so what I would, what I would do with them is ask them their budget, ask them what type of equipment they feel comfortable training with. And then we walk them through what to buy and where to buy it. Um, you know, they could do what I what I recommended earlier. Get a pair of power blocks for home. If there's someone that feels uncomfortable training in front of people, if they do feel comfortable training with people, we might go through their local area and look at a gym that we can get them to join. Um, really, there's unlimited options on what you can do with people, um, and that's why I like what I do because I'm more of like a concierge for people. You know, I you could you could weight train with me. You, you could basically use me as accountability to do your walks as accountability to, um, tweak your nutrition. I don't care, you know, how you use this service. Um, but you know, accountability guidance and support is good for anything. And wherever someone starts, you know, it's good, you know, any little change, any little thing that they're adding to their health and fitness routine, investing in themselves, all great things. But that's what I would do if I had someone that was sedentary, didn't do any cardio or weightlifting or tracking of the nutrition. That's where I would start. Okay. All right. A little coffee in there. All right. So I want to get into coaching, but my friends and family don't think it's a very stable job financially speaking. What are your thoughts? They're right, man. They're right. No, I'm just kidding. You have to be, man. You either have to be really good, and then and work for the University of Iowa. You got to work for them, and then you make a million dollars, two mil a year um, if you work in strength conditioning. But I tell you this, man. If, if you want my honest opinion, you, you do have to pay your dues when you get done with school. Don't get me wrong. So. That could be interning for a strength conditioning staff. That could be working at some, some crappy gym. You know, I've done it. Um, whatever you have to do to get some experience to start a high school weight room, whatever you got to do. Um, but I would say after that, man, be working on your business skills. Because I tell people all the time is you can make a lot of money in personal training. You just have to be the business owner. Because here's the thing, you know, I remember when I was, used to work at Lifetime Athletic um, in the Target Center when I was living in Minneapolis and as cool as it was, I mean, like, man, in those days, like the Lynx and the Timberwolves were training in our facility and you'd see Andrew Wiggins in the, you know, in the, in the cafe, you see KG in that last year they signed up and it was cool. You know, you got to work with a lot of people in the front office, but And then, you know, the pay that I got was incredible. You know, I was a level one trainer. I was making $80 an hour, but you know, that's what they were paying. I only made about 40, $50 an hour. I only made about, you know, 50%. And that's even a lot for most places. Some places that take like 70% off the top, you know, some of the level five trainers would get their clients were paying $150 an hour and they collected, you know, maybe 80 or $90 and that's great. But here's the thing, you know, for some something like working in my area, if you had a gym and you live in kind of like a higher, more upscale area like Scottsdale or, you know, I guess that what would be the Midwestern equivalent, maybe like Stillwater in Minneapolis or something like that. Um, some of the some of the suburbs in Milwaukee you worked in an area like that, where you could charge 150 bucks an hour. Um, and you're the one that owns the business. You can make a lot of money because. You know, I do that in my areas. Like, it's a pretty high-end neighborhood that I live in. And, you know, I charge less than all the gyms, but I collect it all. Um, so I would say that, you know, if you wanna get into coaching, it it is very smart to consider the financial implications of doing something like that. And that if you work for other people, probably not gonna make a lot of money. You know, that's the one thing I know is as much as I love you know, working in the performance realm as much as I love working for some of these cool places like Mayo Clinic, and I know that that's just like for me personally, I wasn't going to make the amount of money I wanted to. You know, I needed to own my day-to-day operation. I needed to be able to collect the whole, the whole lump sum. And so I would say, you know, if you're going to get into strength conditioning. There's nothing wrong with working for places, but if you want to make the most money and you're really good at what you do, uh, you you should consider going into business for yourself and really improving your business skills and your marketing skills. And think about slowly building your own at-home gym um, where you can train clients because, you know, I I look at my backyard, people pay for privacy. People pay for um, a more relaxed atmosphere where they're not fighting for equipment. They pay... For more individualized attention um you know i look at someone like ben bruno um who lives out in la he trains man just by any celebrity you can think of but man i don't think his space is much bigger than two of these rooms and he trains pro nba guys and mlb guys and chelsea handler and all these you know these crazy clients that he has he doesn't have a very big space but he's great he's a solid trainer and He's got great people skills. People love this guy. And he's obviously a hell of an entrepreneur. And that's what I've gathered from, you know, paying attention to his stuff is, you know, why am I, why was my goal? I think when I was younger, you still are really connected to watching sports when you're a kid and playing sports. And so you always think like, Oh, you know, I got to go be a strength coach at UW mass. And I got to be strength coach at this place that trains athletes. And you're like, man, even at some place like Cressy Performance, general population pays keeps the lights on. Um, That's where they make 90%, 99%, 95%, I think they said of their revenue every year. And so as cool as it is to train pro athletes, I kind of stepped away from that. It's like, I can make the most amount of money training regular people, retired people, you know, living in in a nicer community where I can charge more. Um so, yeah, those are just some things to think about, but you can absolutely make money in this field. You absolutely can you just can't be just the trainer you have to you got to kind of do what I'm doing and what what I've learned from other people like Dan Johns you got to make educational material you got to be able to go out and do workshops you got to be able to speak you got to be able to do presentations um, you have to be able to do the social media marketing things, and I'm not perfect and Uh, Far from it, but that's the thing that I've gathered from, you know, just the short time that I've had a business over the last eight, nine months is there's a lot of potential to make a lot of money in this, but you just have to really be well-rounded. You can't just be a good coach. That's, that is not enough to make good money in this field. Absolutely not. So, and I would tell you, you know, if you're doing this for the right reasons you want to help people you know you're in health and fitness because you believe in what it does for people um you know i would i would say don't worry too much about what other people say i actually i actually had this conversation with one of my friends and she's thinking about or she just got her first job in training the other day um she's gonna be working at a gym in lacrosse and she kind of said the same thing that, that you're saying is you know people don't really like get what i'm trying to do but I'll tell you this, you know, most people don't I think I think this is the thing. Most people don't have the courage to go and live out their dreams and um, you know, do um, you know, go after their calling. Um, so it's it, I wouldn't really worry too much about what other people say because you know, if they're if they're bashing on uh your dreams and what you want to do, that, that really has nothing to do with you more to do with maybe some some things that didn't go their way in life and and i would say just you know be nice and love those people but yeah dude um if you think this is what you should be doing you think you should be coaching go fucking coach who gives a fuck what those people say i have plenty of people telling me this was a bad idea and well here we are all right Here we are. That's drinking coffee. Um, Okay. Oh, I saw you post a book called Zero Proof. Have you given up the sauce? I love when I get questions from my buddies back home because you can just tell them the way they ask the question. No, brother, I haven't given up the sauce. I've definitely been drinking a lot less than I did when I was in Wisconsin because I'm telling you, man. I love you Midwest people. I, I wouldn't trade any of you for the world, but man, it is fucking Groundhog Day. When I, when I watch, you know, my, my friend snap stories from back home, it's, man, it's just the same cycle over and over and over. You know, it's cold. So in the bar, cause it's cold. And then it gets warm out and it's only warm out and nice weather in the area for like four months out of the year. So you run to the boats and you run to the tiki bars and you, and, and you give, you go to Pettibone and all that. Stuff. And I love that stuff. I mean, I, I'm, I miss those people. I miss those bars and the beaches and, but you know, it, it's the same shit, different year. And I think I learned when I moved here, when there's like, you know, there's mountain ranges and like, you can just take like a UTV out. There's a lot of golf courses. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff to see and do a lot of stuff that doesn't involve drinking, um, that I wanted to start to have some strategies to be more sober. I guess I don't really drink that much anymore. Um, and sometimes th- when I do, it's only because I just want to go out and see people. I, I've never had a problem talking to people. I've never needed alcohol to do that. And I'm not trying to sound like, you know, a bad time. If, you, if you're friends with me and you've been out with me, you absolutely know I'm, I'm game. If I'm with back in Wisconsin law well, guys, we're going to hit do some shots and we're going to do a bar crawl and all that stuff. Absolutely. But, you know, I wanted to have some strategies for, you know, me going out to the bar and me socializing, but me not having to get completely shit-faced to do it and just go out and hang out with my friends. I, I just felt like um, that is just something that's really unfortunate about the drinking culture of where I grew up. Um, and the people that I work with, I can tell it really really fucks with them that, you know, they feel like they can't just go out and hang out with their friends without drinking. So it's like, basically I was working with clients that felt like they either had to forego drinking completely and have no social life, or go out and socialize and completely ruin any sort of health and fitness plans they have for themselves. And that's a real bummer, right? Like, I'm not saying that you can't go out and have drinks sometimes, but I'm saying that, you know, if you're going out and getting completely shit-faced every time you go out and you're not gonna, and you're older, right? Like you're over 21, those hangovers start getting worse and worse. And you start chopping more days out of your week that you could have been spending eating well, working on things, working toward your goals, Um, and, and my thing was, I wanted to look up ways that people could go out and drink and socialize, but not get shit face. So, you know, I'm looking at zero proof drinks as being a really cool option for that. You know, my buddy, uh, you know, my client and buddy Brody that I just had on the podcast the other week, um, he's doing dry till the 4th of July. We ought to get shirts for the shit, but he's doing dry till the 4th of July because, you know, he's, he's really like, like me and like a lot of my other friends are, we're starting to really examine our drinking behaviors. It's, it's not to like, we can't go out and have a good time and that we have to become these, you know, these fucking squares, but it's, you, you have to understand why you're drinking and why you feel like you need to do that. Um, a big thing we realized was, you know, he was around athletes a lot. And so it was always kind of a competition. You always done a binge drinking, you always, and you know, some of those things as you become an adult and you become a business owner and you become, you know, and, and you're trying to be a good spouse and a good friend and 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 meet your goals for yourself. You know, living like that just becomes less and less conducive of your goals. And so for me, you know, I bought this book and it shows you how to make all these cool different, you know, zero proof cocktails. Um, it shows you how to, you know, enjoy going out and socializing with a drink in your hand, but sometimes just doing it with no alcohol. Like as my business grows, I'm I'm a busy guy. You know, I got podcasts that I do for my own podcasts. I I, you know go on other people's. I you know I have to um I have to run the app, I have to do my coaching calls, I have to and so you know, I have to do all my filming and it's like, sometimes I just want to go and socialize for a little bit and get the hell out of there. Um, and I got to have strategies to do that. So, you know, if you're someone that really struggles with your drinking behavior, I really, uh, I really recommend you look into it. It's not just for people that abstain completely from alcohol. It's for people that want to take a night off, take a couple of weeks off. that are like, Hey, I want to get in shape for my wedding. You know, I, I, I can't be drinking in the meantime. What am I doing? All right, you can still go out and be with the fellas, be with the ladies, but you know, have have uh you know a list and some of the ingredients and a little recipe on hand for you um to to make your own drinks that are non-alcoholic when when that you know when that time comes that you you can't afford to to fuck up, so um or <laughs> be fucked up. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, my long answer to have I given up the sauce? I drink, but you know, I am, I am, as I get older, I examine my drinking behaviors. I examine the, the purpose it serves in my life, what I'm trying to really accomplish when I go out and I'm trying to just, I'm trying to heal myself, trying to have better behaviors, trying to, you know, be mindful and think about things that I do, because I know that you know, on the other side of 21, it starts to really impact your health and really impact your longevity. And, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be like having a family someday. And I know that's, you know, probably down the line, but it's like, and, and be still be that guy that's going out to the bar every weekend and can't drink to socialize, has to drink until they black out. It's not the move, man. It's not the move anymore. Not for me, um, you know. Unless some friends come to visit, but you know, what I'm saying it, it's it's something that this is going to be my norm, and then there's special occasions. Okay. All right. You said to follow sport dietitians advice for nutrition. Um, do you have any recommendations for books or people to follow? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would tell you that my first one, my favorite book is is Nancy Clark's sports nutrition book. Um, I think she's out on like her seventh volume or something like that, but just an absolutely great book. Um, I love that she's worked with all these elite athletes, but she also counsels just everyday people as well too. Um, So she has a lot of experience and a lot of perspective. And one of the things that she always goes back to, and it makes me feel good about the way I coach people in nutrition, is like she's like, healthy nutrition is like being able to follow your internal cues. It's being able to give yourself grace. It's it's like loving yourself um, and realizing that your nutritional decisions have nothing to do with your self worth. Um, and you're eating to fuel yourself. You shouldn't be starving yourself. You know. Um, you know, hunger is your body's natural way of telling you, you need more. Um, I I just love how intuitive in nature, her principles are. And then just how straight to the point, some of the, some of the things she has in there about like, um, recommend recommendations for carbohydrates for activity, um, teaching people how to count calories and things like that. Um, that's a, that's a really great book to check out. Nancy Clark is awesome. Um, and that's, to be honest with you, if you look at most major sports nutrition plans and things like that, uh, she is a heavy, heavy influence on that. Um, then there's Marie um, from um, Spano Spano, I believe her last name is. Let me check this out quick Marie Spano. yeah, Marie, I believe i'm I'm pronouncing this correctly, but she is you know, an RD certified, uh, certified strength and conditioning specialist. She's got a laundry list of, um, credentials and she's been consulting with some of the major, you know, sports teams. I, I believe I saw she was with the giants for a stint there. I know she, she does a lot of work with Exos. Um, I love following her. She does, uh, tick for supplements or, you know, dairy products or, you know, protein or anything you can think of um so she'd be a great follow and then like i said nancy clark would be great if i went through um some of my other you know people that i know i guess i could give you some more people that would be the main people that i would look to that's where i look for for advice um, and i would i would get a i would get your nutrition advice from people that are qualified to speak to it i have nothing wrong with influencers people go on and get your money right Um, but you don't want your new, if you're a person that wants to make sure that you're getting good information, don't go to fitness influencers, right? Don't, you know, especially if you're like past 21, don't be getting your advice from some 18 year old fitness influencer, some, some person that's a sophomore in college. Again, everybody has to start somewhere. And I've been that person. I've been that person that was, you know, 21 years old you know, and, and I got, I'm an exercise science student and I know everything, and, but I didn't know shit. And, you know, there was a lot of times that I was nutrition coaching people when I was younger. I just didn't know better. And, you know, if you want to, if you want to set yourself up for success, um, with your nutrition, you know, go talk to an RD, follow, follow a registered dietitian specifically sports dietitians would be the most qualified one to speak to most of your situations. Um, you know, follow the right people because they're going to be able to speak to your situation in more of a, you know, a tailor-made way, a little bit more individualized than, you know, some one individual person that goes, I did this, look what it did look at me, but I, I wouldn't be able to coach someone else how to do this to themselves as well. Okay, so be very, very careful about who you follow, um, because, you know, you might end up spinning your wheels and doing things that you're not supposed to be doing for your goals, uh, needs and personal preferences. But, all right, let's get back over to the questions here. I, I'm i trying to lose body fat, but I also wanna keep my strength. Oh, me too. Uh, is there a way to lose body fat and get stronger? Well, yeah, if you're really inexperienced. Um, You know, if you haven't been lifting for a long time, there's absolutely no reason that you can't improve your absolute strength measures and lose weight at the same time. But if you've been training for a long time, you know, the game, Uh, as Dan would say, if you chase, you know, two rabbits at once, you end up going hungry. Pavel says that too. Um, You know, there's just some things that don't work very good together. You know, absolute strength work and trying to lose body mass or lose body fat percentage lose uh body fat they just don't work very good together actually when i do programming for people that are in fat loss phases that are more experienced lifters it's not like i don't have the barbell lift i do but they should expect that some of their lifts will drop as they're you know as they're or they'll only maintain as they drop in body mass But I really like to to program more relative measures of strength than absolute. So absolute measures of strength would be like, how much, what do you bench, right? What do you deadlift, what do you squat, what do you clean? That's gonna be put weight on a barbell, that's an absolute figure, right? That doesn't, that weight is that weight regardless of what you weigh, okay? But relative measures would be, you know, for my body weight specifically, how many reps of X can I do? And this could be movements like a chin-up or a push-up or a single leg squat or things like that, right? That are more body weight in nature. Um, And I like to train those things while I'm in fat loss phases. So, you know, as your body mass is dropping, you should be able to do more push-ups. As your body mass is dropping, you should be able to do more pull-ups. If you're programming correctly and you're maintaining as much lean muscle mass as you can, there's absolutely no reason that you can't still continue to train hard. You just want to be smart about the things you train. So I would say, you know, if you're trying to lose body fat and keep all of your absolute strength, it's just not a realistic thing. You know, um, you need to make that decision. You know, if you're someone that's competing in powerlifting or Olympic lifting and you need the, or strongman or something like that, and you need the body mass to keep your absolute strength measures up, then I would be, you know, you're probably not going to be able to lose as much body fat as you like to. Um, but if you're someone that is going to need body mass, but if you're someone that's training just for physique or, you know, just for a look um, and body composition, just let, let go a little bit, Let go. some of your lifts are going to drop a little bit as you decrease body fat, as you lose a little bit of weight, that's completely normal. Just remember what your goal is. Keep the big picture in mind and realize what your goal is. You know, If your relative strength measures get better, you feel better, you look better, it, it's all based on your goals, needs, and personal preferences. There's really no right or wrong way. Just know that if you are losing body mass, unless you're really inexperienced, you're generally not gonna see your absolute strength measures go up. So it's just not a realistic thing to do. Um, muscle and strength work really well when you're in your caloric surplus, And then losing body fat works good when you're going into um, a negative energy balance, negative nitrogen balance, a a calorie deficit, okay? So, all right. You said this is the year of taking care of things that you've been putting off. Can you describe what this means to you? I'll tell you exactly what it means to me. I've noticed that we all make excuses and, and we can say whatever we want. I, I think we say a lot of things to protect ourselves. It's, I, I think some of the main ones are, I, uh, I don't have I, I'll take care of something, but I'll do it when I have more time. I'll do it when I have more money. I'll do it when life is less crazy. And the thing is, is like, you're always busy. <laughs> life is always crazy and it never gets less stressful. And you know, money in some ways is always kind of tight you know, you're always, you always, most people kind of adjust. And me and Brody talked about this, when he's talking about financial advisement, a lot of people that don't have good financial coaching, they always level up um, their lifestyle with their income. So I think that this magical moment that we're all waiting for never comes, that we're going to, it's just going to be easier, life's going to be less less hectic, we're going to have more money and more time, it's going to be I don't think that is ever going to happen. I think that's what people say that put things off their entire life and eventually end up really regretting some of the decisions they made in their life. How do I know? Because I work with some people and, and I have throughout my career that have been older that eventually get into weightlifting and they start making results and they start doing these things. And I go, wow, you, just, you see the regret on their face. They just go like, wow, I wish I would have started this sooner. I didn't realize it was this easy. I didn't realize that all I had to do was ding, ding, ding. get some help and ask for help and you know build my team up and get support and and go out and do things even when you're uncomfortable um i i just i just think that my main message for working with people in coaching is i don't care what that thing is for you you know what that thing is you know for me it was um going to the dentist i had chewed and and drank in in college and that kind of done some less than optimal things to my lower teeth you couldn't really see it but i could feel it that was going on and i got kind of knocked in the mouth the other day and then i had to go into the you know the the dentist and take care of this and as i suspected i have to get these three these four teeth removed in my lower um my 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 lower teeth and get a bridge put in and i realized that you know it was it was my doing i had been the person that didn't go in and get checkups And and I did it because I was chewing and doing these non-optimal health behaviors that made me stay away from the dentist. And then it just kind of snowballed. And I kept telling myself, I'll go in later, I'll go in later. And then you start to become afraid of facing reality. And I think you just keep making those excuses for yourself and you don't help yourself doing that. You don't. You know, one of the people that I work with, um, you know, this is a good example. One of my clients I work with, you know, he's been dealing with a knee injury and my biggest emphasis to him was just like, look, we can worry about getting fit at a later date and things like this. But, you know, he is moving into a career for being in coaching and your body, you need your body to, to coach and make videos and things like that. And I, I emphasize to him is like, this is the year that we're going to take care of these hard things right away. You're not going to be someone that puts off this old injury. Until you finally have to get surgery, fuck that. We're taking care of it. Um, you know, I have, I have friends. I have a buddy that was in bartending, and and I and I um, <clears throat> and I'm super proud of him because he was realizing that you know his mm-hmm. his bartending career was um, getting in the way of his physical and mental health. So he know he he knew he needed to get out of there. Um, but but this is the year of doing the fucking hard stuff. This is the year of that. So if you realize that this is something you have to change, you're doing it now. If you work with me and you're you're in my fucking crew and you train with me, you're my friend. Um we're taking things, we're taking care of things head on this year. Um, you know, from my teeth to the injury to the if we got to switch careers, we're living in alignment with our values, and I don't care how we gotta make it happen. So Um, that's kind of what that means for me is if, if, you know, and I did that this year too, Is like, I knew I should have been, I should have started my own business sooner. I know I should have started working on the the video sooner. I know I should have, should have, should have, should have, but I'm doing it now and I'm getting to reap the benefits of that. And I feel better and I'm able to help people more because I'm taking care of my shit. I'm not making excuses for why I can't do things and trying to make myself feel better and go, oh, you know, you'll you'll deal with it when you have more money. You'll deal with it when you got more time. Fuck that. It's not, it, all that stuff, that's not real. And, you know, the thing is too, is like think about something as simple as like, healthcare or dental care, things like that, or paying for a coach. You can go like, I don't have $50 a month to pay for coaching, I don't have $30 a month to pay for dental. And while you might be semi-correct, I'm sure for most people that there are lifestyle habits that you have in place that are taking up money you could be spending in a positive way. I'm just being honest with you, um, and so you need to make those hard decisions this year because you know what? When you want to put those things off, you want to put your health off, you want to put your finances off, you want to put your, you know, your physical fitness off, your relationships, you want to put that off. You want to just, you know, fuck around. You not take your business seriously, you, you might not be able to afford it. You say you don't have money. You, you won't be able to afford what happens on the other side of that. Um, a major surgery from ignoring it, uh, you know, and all the money you'll have to shell out for that, um, you know, the regret at the end of your life that you didn't take care of these things, you know, you could have, right? When it just becomes harder and harder to deal with the thing, the older you get, um, you know, you don't want those things. You don't want those regrets. Don't make excuses for yourself. Not because I'm up here trying to preach to you, but that's just what it is. I think that's what a lot of us do um, to let ourselves off the hook with doing stuff we know we need to do. And, you know, let's not do that this year. Fuck that. Let's, let's, uh, let's make this a year of taking care of stuff. Go make some money. Go help some people. Take care of yourself. Prioritize the shit that really matters. You know, there, there's... There's more to life, man. There's more life than a lot of the stuff that, um, that I was doing. I know that you know, some of my friends were doing and we're just coming to these realizations as adults and, and we're still young enough to make changes. So um, I'm really, really hopeful and, and, and excited for the future for that. All right. make it worked up there but yeah that's where i'm at <laughs> we'll finish on something light i appreciate you guys listening to my little riff there but i just want to make sure that everybody is everybody's taking care of the, the tough stuff all right so <laughs> tell the stolen bike story damn i like how when i hear that that question i'm like which time but i know which one they're talking about so all right, let's uh let's rewind, let's rewind a little bit, and let's go back to Rapids, uh in, in the summer and what what year it would have been, but um I, I was getting ready uh, to go to college and I was out with my buddy and you know we're out at one of my buddy's uh, shops we're just drinking in the shop and you know had had ten or ten or thirty beers you know you know how that goes. And uh, you know we end up getting picked up by a sober driver, and <laughs> we're getting drove around the lake. And for some reason, you know, me and my buddy Hunter are a little, a little tuned up, so we just want to get out of the car and run around. <laughs> so we do. And I don't know why. And again, it's like as an adult, I feel bad telling these stories, but look, we we lived in the middle of bumfuck. We lived in the middle of Wisconsin, right? And we did some we did some redneck shit back in the day, and Uh, some, some degenerate stuff, but got out of the car and we started just like running around and shaking street signs out and stuff. And we were messing with his, uh, with his dad's house and like waking people up. And we ended up, there's a, there's this area around white sands and rapids and there's this little thing, it's called the bubble. It's like a little dam area. And I remember we were just, you know, we were just drunk, having fun, Wind swam in the bubble, completely clothed, um, get out of the bubble. We're running around and stopping at our friend's, our friend's house that live like around the lake. And we're having fun, you know, because obviously we're, we're still drunk. So, you know, this is all fine and dandy. And But then it starts to get kind of cold and we're like, God, we got to, you know, we got to get back. How the hell are we going to get back? We're right by a, by a you know, by a, a, a campground. And anybody that I grew up with knows like how shit went in the campground, uh, good or bad. You know, when you're, when you're younger and you're trying to get alcohol underage, you go into the campground, steal a cooler. If you need to get around, you go to the campground, steal a bike, which obviously again, I would not do now, but that's just what happened, right? And so, you know, me and my buddy are like, we're starting to sober up a little bit. We're like, okay, this kind of sucks. Like we're completely so close. We got to get back. Whatever. So we steal these two bikes and drive them back to his house. And I think it was like two days later, I went off to college. And I'm like, well, you know, whatever. I'm going to bring this bike with me because you know, why not? Um, so I take this bike with me to college. And it's probably, I don't have a bike lock. You know, I've never had a bike lock my whole life. Um, you know, because I either had a shitty bike or I just didn't lock it up um, and no one stole it. Um, but I get to school and I'm going to class one day and I I set my bike in the rack and I come back outside and it's gone. I'm like, God damn it. So I'm like, I got an idea though. So I call my buddy, Tim and I'm like, Tim, someone stole my bike, but I have an idea. I was walking around campus and I finally found this fucking bike. And I'm like, I have an idea. Let's go to Walmart. So he picks me up. He just got done with work and, you know, Tim's in the army at this point. And uh, he picks me up and we drive to Walmart and we buy a bike lock and I find this bike on campus, come back, I read a note and I'm just like, hey, I know who you are. I have a picture of you, of you, or I have a video of you stealing my bike, but if you return, if you take the lock off this bike, cause they had a lock around the bike, otherwise I would have just stolen it back, but they put a lock around the bike. So I write, so I buy my own bike lock and I put my own note on there and I say, "Okay, I know what you look like. You know, I have video of you stealing the bike, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna report you if this bike locks off by X amount of time." And so I go to the rest of my classes and I come back at the end of the day, and then the bike locks off and my stolen bike was now my stolen bike again. So, yeah, that's a stolen bike story. What's funny is eventually. That bike, that bike ends up getting stolen one time. I forgot to put the bike lock on it anyways, but there's a bike story for you. Well, I want to thank you guys for listening today to episode number 16. And by the next time that I do a podcast, I should have four new bottom teeth. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate everybody that submits questions and takes the time to, to listen and, you know, to my clients, my friends and family, everybody that's been rocking with me on this podcast and through the app and, and, uh, you know, training with me in person and, and just, just everything, man. I just, I appreciate you guys so much. And, um, you know, I couldn't do it without you. So appreciate you guys. And, uh, I'll talk to you soon.